they, I feel like uh, class. So um, if I ask you a question, you will answer, right? Or do I have to send you in detention? Uh, would you please pause with me as we, as we pray? Holy, 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 the Lord God Almighty, blessed Trinity. We are so grateful that you have again, once again, demonstrate your graciousness towards us, thanking you for this moment we have again this evening to be here, to be here together as your children and to again have the opportunity to open your word. And Lord, we ask that you will speak to us and we know that you will. But Lord, we ask also that you will give us attentive hearts, give us receptive minds, and then Lord, cause us to leave this place devoted, committed to carry out those truths that you would have shared with us this evening. Thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, an inexpressible, indescribable gift for which we will always and forever be grateful. Now, Lord, I commit myself to you. Speak through me as you have spoken to me and to your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that you are a bad person. If you are a bad person, say amen. Only three, okay. <laughs> All right. Let me read something for you. By the way, as was said this morning, God is awesome. Don't you think so? I think he is. Um, Psalm, this is a, a prayer, Psalm 51, just to read a portion of it. And as we were singing a moment ago and I was reflecting on this, just, just listen to it. As I, I may have said recently, that sometimes I think when we, I call it drive-by, true scriptures, we, we tend to drive so fast we miss the beauty of what is being said. And so I am suggesting that maybe we should pause sometime and just, just listen to the words of what is being said or what is written there. But Psalm 51, maybe just the first three verses. Be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. Be gracious to me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the greatness of thy compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Verse 4. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done what is evil in thy, thy sight so that thou art justified when thou dost speak, and blameless when thou dost judge. This sounds like somebody who is a, a sinner, right? A repentant sinner. Do you see or perceive yourself to be a sinner? Romans chapter 3 is where I want us to focus this evening, and um, all of Romans is incredibly rich 
with some wonderful truths about who we are, but more importantly, who God is. But in verse chapter 3, if you read through, and I'm sure in the past you would have, you would uh, discover that the first portion of this chapter tells us that we all messed up. Let's be a little bit more graphic. We've all sinned. And as a result, we have all been found guilty. Guilty. <laughs> Sometimes in a court of law, that, that's a shocking thing. Guilty, waiting for the verdict to come back. And so the person who was accused is waiting until these um, persons who would have served on the jury and the head, what do you call them? Head jury? <laughs> Juror? All right, comes back and they will stand up and the judge is asking, have you come to a verdict? Yes, sir. Yes. Stand up and says, what is your verdict? You are the person accused. You're hoping that it is innocent, but that it will not be your fate. Today it is guilty. In chapter 3 of Romans, just read again just the first four verses and then draw your attention to other part of this particular chapter. Listen to the words. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then what advantage has the Jew? Or what is the benefit of circumcision? Great, in every respect. First of all, that they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? I'm going to read that again. Here's a question. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? Verse 4. May it never be. Rather, let God be found true, though every man be found a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy works, and mightiest mightest prevail when thou art judge. In this chapter, in these first few verses, God is declaring or giving or expressing to us the universality of human guilt from this early chapter, setting the stage all the way from verse 9 straight through verse 20. We are all under sin, and simply meaning that under sin's domination and condemnation. Moo, a theologian, said that the problem with people is not that they commit sin. The problem is that they are enslaved to sin. There's a difference. Not that they just commit sin, but they are enslaved to sin. In other words, sin has tainted or affected all areas of human personality. What are those core areas of human personality? Your intellect, your emotion, and your volition, or your decision, the choices that you make. All areas of these core areas have been affected by sin. 
do you think there's anybody who may be considered to be an intellectual, but also an intellectual sinner? A wise, smart sinner. <laughs> then there are those who say they are controlled and they have an emotional, they're emotionally balanced and you can have both extreme, some who demonstrate no emotion apparently. Then there are those who are always hysterical, you know, uh, we call them what there's a possibility or is there a possibility that these persons can be sinful or a sinner, a slave to sin? Just say amen. What about the will, their volition, their choice? Do you think these persons who might be maybe not necessarily the elite with their respect or with respect to their intellect, or maybe they consider they're okay, average, emotionally they are right, but then with respect to their volition, you wonder about their choices that they make. Is that possible that these persons, by their actions and the decision, could it reflect the fact that they are slave to sin, every area of the human. And God, if God tells you that that's who you are, who do you think, as we say in your right mind, will oppose God? But people do that, don't they? You know, as a matter of fact, you and I have. You know, it's easy sometimes to say, I know somebody who would do that. You know, how disgusting. You know, and yet we are regularly, maybe in subtle ways, oppose God. Sin against God. Again, sin has affected all areas of our life, and thereby making mankind totally depraved. Yet you are not as bad as you could be, right? Because you could always point to somebody else and say, well, I'm not as bad as he or she. And you know, if you think about it, if you can be badder than you are. Now, you're right, and some people, do you remember when bad was good? You know, <laughs> when he said, boy, you be bad, you be bad like that. And that was supposed to be a praise or something, a compliment. You know, when God calls you bad, you're bad. <laughs> you're stinking bad. You're really bad. And if God says, you see, yeah, you messed up big time. We are totally depraved. I've said this sometimes to people, if, and just to get a, because some people like to be a little bit um, selective, and it's not as bad. But to God, when you put God in the equation, you recognize that because of his absolute holiness, no tolerance, absolutely no tolerance for sin, then you begin to appreciate when we come into the picture, how it was mentioned, I think, today again, how offensive, how stink, how the dirty rag that appears to him. He has no tolerance for that. And yet, when we hold that thought over here, recognize his holiness, and then how do you explain the fact that today, most of you probably in here today are saying that I am a child of God? How did that happen? And yet you know you have, even today, the propensity to sin. God, something, is God fair? Do you hear people say this sometimes? That ain't fair. Do you hear people say, maybe around the court, I want justice. They might even have placards walking the street. When you come to God and you ask for justice, let me give you a little secret. Say, yeah, say, don't, don't answer. Dirt when you come to God. Maybe somebody downtown, Rawson Square, or Nassau Street. <laughs> you know, people might sit in the, in the court and be asking, I want justice because this person did this heinous crime. Justice, we want justice. Really? 
<clears throat> okay, in the core that'll work. But before God, please, let me give you a little clue. Don't ask for justice from God. <clears throat> you know, because, well, I should save that for a little bit later. But let me give you a little clue. Because if you want justice, some places that say all short people have sinned. Do you remember that? I mean, <clears throat> in Romans 3.23, I'm going to read that in a moment to you, but it says, for all have sinned and come short. So, all sh so if you want to know who sinned, look for short people, right? Um, I'm not saying anything. <laughs> yeah. but, but all of us have sinned, and that's why I said earlier, all of us, you know, have sinned. Now, sometimes, let, let's do this maybe just so we can get through this. If we look at uh, the first few verses here in uh, chapter 3, God, in a sense, gives us a, an x-ray, as it were, of humanity and the, in, in verses 9 through 10. Well, nine, let's say 10 through 12, just so that I read 9 just for context so it makes sense for those of you who might not have your, your word with you, which means you came out this evening unarmed. You must be a... You know, um, Martial artists without weapon. You just use your hand. It says this in verse 9. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks, and see in, in the word Greeks, you'll, you, if you look hard, you'll see Bohemians right there. Yeah, both Jews and Bohemians are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for, for God, and all have turned aside. Together they have become useless, or become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Wow. That seemed to be very um, thorough in terms of seeing where I can slip by and maybe not fall into that category. But God gives us x-ray of the total depravity of Mankind, And he said this universal unrighteousness or ignorance and independence towards God. In other words, we have a tendency of being waywardness towards God. And he's saying it is unprofitable, and yet we persist in it. We lack any sense of godliness or goodness. And so we see a total depravity. Listen again to those words. None is righteous. Which part of none do you not understand? When it says none is righteous. No, repeat, not one or half of one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All, which part of all, all have turned aside, away. All have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. This is incredible. No one. And again, using a reference to this morning's time together in our worship, you know, do you, do you ever get upset? And we were talking this morning, and the, the message this morning talk about God and, and how big you are compared to God, you know, and that God can hold all the, just the, the, the planet, the waters, and the hollow. And I'm not talking about all them fingers, just a little space in here. You know, and on that space, this is the planet Earth, which is 70% water. You know, in there, God is measuring that. And someplace in there, there is a place called the Bahamas, with a little speck, you know. 
And on that speck, there's a little place called New Providence, you know? And, and on that spot, you find a lot of little speck called you and I. And this you or I down there upset with the world, you know? And, and here's God zooming in with his, you know, telescopic lens. What are you carrying on about down there? Why are you so upset? Say, calm down, cool, chill out, they say, you know? Because you think, you know, things ain't going the way you should be. Or maybe you have it the other way around. You are all that. The whole world revolves around you. You are very important here. Do you know who I am? <laughs> you are a sinner. <laughs> That's what? You, you are. You know, and you're making all of this. About what? You need to bring God and the pictures to get a right perspective on who you really are. All have sinned. And that is in verse uh, 23. If Paul had the time, I think, in re once we finish reading here, I, I guess we'll probably categorize some of these sins. What about some sexual sin if he had the time? Do you think he might include these? And, and when I uh, list some of these, just think about us, yourself, because it's easy. It, it's more, I think, convenient. Um, it's more palatable for our own consciousness to think of somebody else when we listen. But put yourself in the context. When I say that you are bad, do, do you have the capacity? Let, let me try this for you. I, you don't have to answer out loud, but if you look at me, you know, I, I think you're answering me. I'm going to read your body language. If you, when I say you're bad, do, do you, by the way, does anybody know how to cuss? I mean, to curse? If, if you, if you, you know when you hear it, right? You may not be a practitioner, but if you, if you really needed to, you, you know how to, you know how to pull down the vocabulary, right? Did, I did tell you once when I wanted to curse, I, I, I was a little shorter than I was, you know, remember short people have sinned. So, but you remember when I said, um, I wanted to find out because I have never cursed, used a curse word growing up. Of course, there was some uh, um, deterrent to that because if you did, there were some other consequences that I was not very, um, you know, wasn't interested in at all. So, I, but I wanted to find out what it sounds like because I've never heard myself curse. So I did. I, so I decided I'm going to curse without people present. So I walk through the bush <laughs> to the west, you know, I did go. And I went to a, what we call pigeon plum tree, and I made sure, surveyed the land, making sure that there was no one around. And I stood to the juju tree, and I said something to the juju tree. Now, Jesus did curse the fig tree. I, I went to Sunday school a little bit. Didn't pay much attention to what the real content was. But I, I cursed to the a pigeon plum tree, because I want to hear what it sounds like. It's a stupid little boy from Philandra. <laughs> but that's what I did. But you know how to curse if you wanted to. But you haven't. But do you think some people curse? You know, you're aware of people who have two minds. One mind tell me this. And some people say that. It's behemoths that say that. One mind tell me that. And somebody said, would you make a, you a schizophrenic? You, then, don't call me them kind of names. You won't get upset. All right. But you have the capacity to curse. And sometimes you determine depends on who's around. But if you are where you think nobody knows you, you might just let one slip. Now something could only slip if it is present already, hey. Yeah. Sometimes it happens when you hit your foot, when you barefoot to that table that somebody shouldn't have put there, or, and your little toe off to the left down south hits that table. It's amazing how quick information travel from your little toe all the way up 
to your brain and then comes back out through your mouth. Now the rest of your body, whatever that does, you know, it's amazing. But you do have the capacity. Where do you learn that? You know, you can do that. In other words, again, if Paul had the capacity, so it's okay when we hear about, have you sinned? Maybe not one of these blatant sins, but let me give you some so you may think about the possibility. If Paul had the time, if he named some maybe sexual sins like adultery, you say, no, that's not me. How about homosexuality? Nah, I straight. Lesbianism, perversions, bestiality, prostitution, rape, lewdness, pornography. No, none of that. What about sins associated with war, like destruction of the innocent, the, maybe the shooting, shooting down of a commercial airline, the atrocities like gas chambers and ovens, and then the concentration camps, sadism, torture devices. What about sins in your home, like, un, like divorce, unfaithfulness, husband beating, wife beating, mental cruelty, child abuse, murder, mutilation, theft, burglary, embezzlement, Vandalism, graft, corruption, etc. What about the sins of speech, what I mentioned a moment ago, like pornography, like profanity? What about some suggestive kinds of jokes? Cursing, blasphemy, lies, biting people in the back, you know, backbiting. <laughs> some people are very good at that. So if you see the hollowness in some people back, they get bite right up, you know? So if you see some meat between some people's teeth with a little bit of fabric, they've been biting somebody in the back. Gossip, and some people do that very good, often. And a matter of fact, they like to do it in a gang, they're like a pack, because as soon as they gossip, they find somebody else to call. Did you hear? Character assassination, grumbling, you know, nobody complains in here. Then there are those that are personal sins like drunkenness, drug addiction, pride, envy, covetousness, ingratitude. That one is so prevalent. Filthy thought life, hatred and bitterness, deceit, racism, exploitation, etc. If all of these are possibilities for us, what further proof do we need to convince the unconvinced that humans are totally depraved. And so when I say that, I say that without any hesitation. You know, that we are, we are messed up badly. Yeah, you know, and um, it is only that m marvelous word, God's grace, you know, because if we, we've heard persons who share in our, in our meetings who talk about when they talk about their testimony or in the midst of their sharing talk about where would you have been had it not been for God's grace? You know, we talk about how bad and how terrible things are when you listen to what's happening in our communities um, with those persons who have engaged in antisocial activity. What if, starting immediately after this service, we decided we can join them, you know? But Joe, you won't be visiting us. You'll be right in jail with us next Sunday. All right? All right? Because, you know, we'll be adding to the problem. Because we know how to be. It, it is still within us the capacity to do those things and join the line on Watson Square or Nassau Street to court. You know, we know how to intensify being deceitful, biting people, being ungrateful. We know how to do that. 
and we, there's no measure because it's not publicized. And that's why it's between you and God. That's why I would say, well, God, confess your sins. I was going to say daily, but now it is hourly. You know, maybe moment by moment. We are bad. <laughs> you know, God says we are totally depraved. There needs to be a remedy, though. And the remedy, if there's going to be an effective remedy, it must reach as far as the disease. In other words, whatever the remedy is, it must be effective. Otherwise, it's only going to, you know, calm down, just, I guess, make well, this virus causing upset. Look, why are you bothering me? Slowing me down, you know? Let me break out of it. So whatever the remedy is going to be, it must be effective. It must reach far enough to totally eradicate the disease. Since empire cannot stretch farther than Christ's kingdom. Since empire cannot stretch further than Christ's kingdom. Verse 20, and this is where I want to focus for a few minutes here with you, of chapter 3. And I call this is, now having said all of that about how bad we are, you know, as humans, then in the midst of this, and here I think is the good news, because this section tells us about the imputation of God's righteousness. Now, I say imputation, not amputation. Let's make sure we ain't cutting off nothing here. All right? This is something that is going to be given to you. This is amazing. In light of the fact that we are totally depraved. And it starts off here, verse 20. Well, I'm going to read 19, just to flow of this. Now, we know that whatever the law says... It speaks to those who are under the law. That, that's true, right? That makes sense. Yeah. You, there, there are some laws in the Bahamas, even though some people act as if there is none. I, I was, I, I, let me miss and tell you this. I was going home today, and Shirley Street, um, before that turn up to Frederick Street to come around Central Bank, I was near Charlotte Street area in that vicinity, waiting on the left side, heading west. And it's slow traffic the right lane was moving. Three of our public service um, transportation, these are what we call jitney, look like, you know. <laughs> they, they were on the right, and they came, and I could watch, and they drove up, and the light was red. They came around, and they would pause, I guess, to look to the north to see if nobody was coming up um, Frederick Street, and I guess there was nothing, because I didn't hear a crash. And they just went right around, and then they came back. And the latest one, red, I say, red for us who are going west. And another one came around, you know, because I guess he spot, you know, he fella going around. So he joined the fella, and the other guy, my guy. He, so, so three of them did that. And I just looked and I said, this is where I should have been. I should take off my red cap and my role as a police officer, and then I would pull up the line, put my siren on my Suzuki, and then drive behind them, you know, and then pull them over, because they had stopped, because I can still see the top of the Jitneys, right in the top of the uh, Central Bank, you know, on near to the Kirk Church. But they, as if there was no law, they just gone through, you know, that's amazing. Now, I know some of you have done that before, so don't look at me like you haven't done that. So let's keep... Um, but the scripture did say, now we who, who know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Wow. 
there is a law. Verse 20, because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Hmm. Let, let, me, let me just read. I, listen to, to the words. I'm going to read it again. For by the works of the law, no, let me say, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. Verse 21. But now, I like those but nows. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. Wow. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I need some space. Wow. That, that's, that's amazing. By the works of the law, no human will be justified in his sight. In other words, you and I have broken God's law, right? Um, God is just. So, do you know what the, by the way, you know what the penalty is for running traffic light? Uh, uh, do you know what the penalty is for parking? You've never seen this, because I was in a certain place once. This doesn't happen in your Providence, I think. People park on the sidewalk. You know, the, the you know, sidewalk, there, like people, pedestrians supposed to walk. Not, it's not a parking space for car. But some people park their vehicle on the sidewalk. Uh, there is an $80 fine in the Bahamas, the place I was talking about, um, for parking on the sidewalk. People still park on the sidewalk because they don't impose the fine. That's just one of the law. Do you know when you break God's law, by the way, any part of God's law, and if you think of a chain and one link is broken, the chain is broken. You know, you don't just say that part broken, but it's still a good... When you break God's law, what is the um, penalty? Three months or a fine. What's the penalty? God's law is so serious about his law that the penalty is death. Ooh, that's cruel. That's extreme. You know, the, the, the crime does not fit the penalty. That's, that's extreme. Why don't I just break a little law? You know, besides, I'm only human. <laughs> he was talk fool. You, yeah, you know. Yeah. Breaking God's law, the penalty is death. But it says that, right? For all have sinned and come short, you know, and we talk about the wages, your payment. If God is to remain just, his justice must be satisfied. He's just, but then here's the other thing. He's also a loving God. God does not want to see any of us perish, yet all of us have sinned. So how does God, how do you get out of that? 
Let me read this verse again, so and maybe it gives you a clue. In verse 26, it says it. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. You and I. Let, let me say this here about this law back in verse uh, 20. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. This is like a slave whose task it is, this law that is, whose task it is is to bring us to Christ. That's all the law that I bring you and say, look, you, you, you break the law, but you, you, I need, I'm supposed to bring you there. That's the law. It, it is like a, like a mirror. When you look in the mirror, and I believe you look in the mirror. By the way, I saw people, and that's another story, but people who look in the mirror the most, male or female, don't answer that. Anything you say will and shall be used to But when you look in the mirror, if there is something on your face, all the mirror does is say, yeah, you left, it's there. But the mirror does not move it. It is still there. All it does is tell you, you get something wrong with your face, but fix that. Something you were eating slipped from where you are and going up on the left side or, or dribbling. Something is there. That's all it does. The mirror is passive with respect to removing the thing from your face. The law is like that. It just tells you you break the law. It's, again, something typical. If there was no traffic light, people won't stop. As a matter of fact, people still don't stop. They are traffic right? you know. But they're the ones who are intentionally breaking the law. But in other words, if there were no law, no one could say to you that you break the law. You know, so you do as you please. You know, I want to run away. You stop. If I'm driving something bigger, you know, I can intimidate you by on a bicycle. You know, move by, bump, bump, you know. You know, I'm coming through there, you know. But that's the law. You know, but that's, that's how it works. But listen to the rest of this. So it's like a mirror, I think. Sometimes it's almost like a line, again, trying to get a visual picture. What is this law? This is a path that you must walk on. And you fall off the line, you've got to come back. The law just tells you, yep, you're off that. You know, they give you that test, that sobriety test, when you've been under the influence. You know, you're under sin. You know, and so you're offline. You can't walk the straight line. God has drawn a straight line. Did he say, be holy as I am? Holy, you know, uh, okay, I can't do that. I keep falling. You're drunk with sin. Yeah, but that's like a line, like the mirror, like the line. It's almost like a thermometer. The thermometer you put, well, they put them different places now on human body. Let's keep it up on the upper, upper, upper. So let's say you put the thermometer in your mouth and it says you have a fever. The reading higher than the 98.6. Yeah, you, you, you get it bad. The thermometer, all it does is tell you what your reading is. Yep, you get the fever. The mama does nothing to reduce or get rid of the fever. That's the law. It does nothing for that. Luther says this, that the function of the law is not to justify, but to terrify. I like the rhyme in that, yeah. You say, oh, I break the law. But some of us do that too. You know, you, we break the law here, but only when you see that uniform, you know. Um, you, you say, I'm, I'm stupid in the speed limit. Yeah, you, when you run across that red light the last time and that police was two cars back and you didn't see until you've crossed, you just hope six more. <laughs> Hopefully I make a left turn right to, to get out of here just in case they may decide, look, did you see that? I'm going after. And, and you have this inward smile if it doesn't break out on the outside. You say, well, I knew I did this, I was wrong. You know, that's it. It is the law is not to justify it, um, as Luther said, but to terrify. But it also is a gift. 
It is a gift of conviction. Because conviction, I think, is the prerequisite to faith, saving faith. You never change if you say, wait, I did something wrong. Okay, got it. That's prerequisite. I admit I, I was wrong. That's a good place to begin. Because if you're not convicted that, yeah, God says you have sinned, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because that has to happen first before you can place faith and a remedy, right, which is to express faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 3.21 says, but now, I like the but now. And so that's how Paul begins here to explain the concept of justification. So far, we bad. Yeah, we bad out there. No, you bad in there and out there. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, separate from the law. So God came up with something that is apart from the law. None of us could have kept the entire law. You can't say I only keep a little piece. Uh, like I read off several things in the different categories of sin. You say I may not have done this, but over here, guilty. Um, and maybe in this area over there, guilty over here. In some cases, maybe not as frequently as others. But still, when you list all of them, and that was not an exhaustive list, yeah, God, I'm guilty. I have broken your law. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, separate from the law. As a matter of fact, it says, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. In other words, the law here in this, this text, law and the prophets, would be, let's say, the first five books, you know, and then, of course, the rest of the Old Testament um, would have been the prophets. They testify or testify to the fact that God is indeed righteous and is the law and satisfying that righteousness is being set aside as separate from keeping the law because you and I couldn't keep it. We couldn't keep it. This is, by the way, this righteousness that we talk about here, but now the righteousness of God. This is a moral state of conformity with God's will that is imparted by God himself. This is a moral state of conformity to God's will. In other words, do you believe that you and I, apart from God, can conform and to God's standard, his will for us, apart from God's grace? Can you do it without him? Watch, watch this cue. Say no. Not at all. Not at all. This gift, by the way, when we talk about this, and I call it a gift, um, an amazing gift. We call it amazing grace. But this gift of the law that I referenced earlier with respect to conviction as a prerequisite, this gift or the purpose of the law was to bring us consciously to expose us to our inability to, let's say, enter heaven or, or to appease God's wrath. Because those who have sinned, your payment, your wages is death. In um, Galatians 3.24 it says, Therefore the law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. The law is similar, as I mentioned earlier, to a chain. If someone breaks one link of the chain, it's broken. You and I have broken that chain many places. And so we need someone. And the penalty is, we should have been dead. But we have something, uh, someone, who comes alongside us. And this is why Paul explains the concept of justification. Verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith. And this through faith. Faith is like the conditions through which we appropriate the grace of God. Through faith. 
that is the condition, again, through which be appropriated the grace of God in Jesus Christ for all who believe. There's no distinction. If you believe, with faith, something good you will get. And this is from God. Because it says right in the middle, for all have sinned. This is another reminder, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Verse 24, and are justified by his grace. I don't know, there was a song that says, I came to the door and knocked, and there was somebody who opened the door. Grace, mercy, and somebody knocked at the door. You know, grace and mercy. Um, I prefer that rather than justice, as I mentioned earlier. And God, I need your, your mercy. I need your grace. I want your justice. Don't, don't give me that. You know, don't give me that. But yet sometimes on the human level, as I mentioned earlier, we like to say that and, and use that as a valid argument. We want justice. As a matter of fact, we want swift justice. You know, give it to me now. You know, it's okay when it is somebody else. You know, um, suppose God have imposed or applied swift justice to us. The moment you sin, you think you'd have been as old as you are? Nobody. You, you would have been, uh, did not say you were conceived. You wouldn't have been born. Yeah. Because swift justice would have kicked in. You know, and if you will survive that first spank in the hospital, if you got spanked when you cried, meh, whatever, that's not a goat, right? That's not the cry you make. But whenever you, the first, at birth, you would have been, in, you were born a blue baby, you know, stillbirth, <laughs> dead, because that's with justice. You've sinned, your parents have sinned, so you sin, just so that God maintains it. But there's something, something great. Justification. And this is a righteous verdict. From God. It is a judicial act, not a process. It is something God does, not man. This is something God does, not man. It is like a forensic or a legal meaning. It simply means to acquit. Acquit. In Exodus 23 7, we read this Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not. Acquit. Another word for acquit, I will not justify the wicked. And so, again, to just justification or to justify is to declare righteous. Visualize a court scene. You know all of your defense have been shot down by the prosecutor successfully, and there is no jury because they will maybe confuddle things. The judge sits there um, and listens to the case. Your case is, but I said this to you recently. Can you stand before God? You know you're guilty. How do you raise a defense saying, I'm guilty? I, I only do that once. You know, or it was a mistake. You, break, you, you ever try to run in the light and tell me, it was a, I didn't see the light. Why are you driving and you're blind? You know, you, you just know. <laughs> You have a problem. You know, that's another crime you make. You just, you just, you just dig yourself another hole. You know, you, you shouldn't be on the road. But, but standing before God with that, you, you really don't have, as we say, a leg to stand on. You are guilty. And so here when it says that this is something, the judge says to you, okay, your defense, 
yeah, the judge is now going to make his ruling. The only thing I think you can do then, if he asks, do you have any last words you'd like to, to make? As the, you, I've heard the term, to throw yourself on the mercy of the court, the mercy. In other words, you're asking for clemency, you know. I, I, I guilty as charged. You know, some people, that's, that's one way to speed up the process. They say the night court, a little traffic, little thing. And, you know, you just the same time you sit there with all these other people. By the way, I used to, when I had more time, I used to go just to sit in the night court, just to sit and watch, listen to the, what's going on. And some of these was ridiculous stuff going on, you know, but it's humorous, but you can't laugh in there because the loud mud policeman at the door, <coughs> you, know, you know, so you, gotta, you can't be, nothing that distract the person on the bench. But you say, uh, guilty with explanation. Sounds good, eh? You think that'll work with God? God, I'm guilty, but I have an explanation. You can, so, I don't, so that I don't incur the full penalty for the violation or the breaking of this particular law. They're in the court, they may say, well, all right, I hear you. And they may give you a, some strong warning, you know, and disappear. But when you, let's say you would have committed the most heinous crime, and any sin against God, let's say, is equivalent to, I guess, on a human level, what you consider to be the most heinous crime. Now, of course, nowadays, that's a different thing in terms of qualifying what that is, because now you have to go to the Privy Council someplace else and only the worst of the worst. You ever hear such craziness? How do you define what is the worst of the worst? Um, who's by whose definition or standard? Is the person dead? All right. Um, how he died, how long he took to die, and how whether they're all intact, you know, well, obviously he's dead, so something will not be intact. You know, um, that's a problem. But standing before God, guilty as you are, the only thing you could ask for is mercy. And if God responds, and he does, if you admit that, hey, I, God already says, guilty. Now, before you impose the consequence or the penalty, you say, I, 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 I guilty, I, I have sinned, and I read it in Psalm 51, against thee and thee alone have I sinned. You, what you said about me was absolutely right. I've now come to realize that. <sighs> Be merciful to me, O Lord, sinner. And then God, because he got to satisfy this, you break the law so that he doesn't go back on his word. But that's where Jesus Christ comes in. Isn't that good? I call that good news, buddy. You know, because he comes in. And that, that seems so, it's, now you talk about is God fair? Fair doesn't even come into the equation. It is beyond fair. Instead of you receiving the penalty, God's son steps up and says, now, she sinned, he sinned. The penalty is death. But they, 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 they confess, they agree that that's it. But somebody got to pay today. You know, you break this thing in the shop, you ain't coming out here, I call the police, 919. Somebody has to pay for this. Jesus Christ comes in and becomes the sin bearer. The consequence is laid on him. So he dies. And then God turns around and says, you are righteous. You are now justified. Gives you what you don't earn, deserve. You call that amazing grace. Because now you don't even have a record. You know, because what I've been to court and I was guilty. You don't have a record. Blot it out. That's good news. And that's ours. And that's why I said earlier, these 
nuggets of truths of who we are and what we have. We read through this and missed it. Do you recognize what God has given you and how he sees you? You have been justified. And this is something God gives, imposed, imputed to you to declare you righteous. It does not mean to make righteous. It is not a charge wrought by God to us, but rather a, ch- sorry, a change brought in by God in us, but rather a change of our relationship to God. God now sees us differently because now he has imputed this um, righteousness, this justification, so that we don't receive the penalty of our violation of his law. This is indeed incredible. Our status now in the sight of the law, we break no law. We now, how, just like how God the Father views his son, that's now how he looks at us. This is crazy good. You know, it is amazing. And then, so you know why I have no reason to brag in my own frailty? Because I understand I'm guilty when it comes to the law without Christ. But now, because of what he's done, I have, I will, could stand before the judge of the ages, humble, because I've been the recipient of his amazing grace. And he sees me as not as if God is blind, but because of the effectiveness and power of what his son, who was totally innocent and met the requirement of the law fully. In other words, the law says somebody needs to die. I, okay, I'll die. So then my record, I, and I know I'm guilty. You think I should say to him, thank you? After, and, and I should only say it once? I should live a thankful existence. And so when, when I'm tempted you know, to, to violate or to, to sin, Again, and then I remember what he has done already for me. Ah, it's a make you weak in your knee, Lord. I'm so sorry, just for the entertaining the thought of sinning against you, because you've gone to such an extent, so that I can now stand, not in my own confidence, but remember now, as we read, in Christ. You know, everything is in Christ because you know it is in Him that we have all of the treasures that we need. It's incredible. Everything you need is in Christ. And you have not opened a treasure chest, you know, and just let these blessings, I guess, flow through your finger. Let's throw them up and look at them and pause. And this, that's me? Yeah? That's yours because it is what God has given to you in Christ. So since man is a sinner, with no help in himself and none in the law, the only thing left for him to do is to look to the mercy of God. And we have done that. And as a result, we are the recipient of this amazing grace gift we can now be considered justified. It's amazing. Verse 23, and then I will close. I'm sorry, 25. Whom God put forward as a propitiation, a propitiation or propitiatory sacrifice, averse punishment from the offender. The death of the victim procures the life of another. And this is what I was saying earlier. I should have died. Somebody else came in, took the, the bullet for me, so that I live, he died. And then I walk away and the judge says, you're free to go. Case dismissed. I like to hear the song of that. And if you know you were guilty and you hear a case dismissed, 
Some people do different things. Women normally hold their throat. I know why. Huh. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know what my... But it's an amazing thing, you know. It's fantastic. Case dismissed. Us as a mere creature may, may obey the, the concept of the law. Yeah, that's the concept. Or, or we'll suffer the penalty that it denounced. But it cannot, we cannot do both, you know. Um, but Jesus Christ certainly did, you know. Christ abstained from every sin, fulfilled every law or the duty of it, exemplified every virtue. Neither God the Father or God the Holy Spirit um, or man could accuse him of failure to duty and duty, or whether in respect, with respect to the law. And so to God the Father he gave his devotion or his piety, and to man his love, and to his friends his heart, and to his foes or his enemies his pity and his pardon. And so in the court of law, as I mentioned earlier, when you know that you have put up your best defense and it has failed, you know then you only have one thing, mercy. Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. God's grace is gratuitous. It is pure, it is undeserved, it is unrecompensed kindness and favor. It is the basis for our joy. And so if you are a joyless Christian, you have not appreciated or understood the grace of God. It is the basis for our joy, and it should lead to what we call the Eucharistia, the Eucharist Thanksgiving. And you should always be living a thankful life because you have been the recipient of God's grace. It is to this righteousness that we must rest, we must live, we must die, and we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ and stand forever in his presence, the presence of the triune God, not in our own righteousness. In Isaiah 61.10, and I close with this, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. We have been so blessed. It's amazing. God's grace is amazing. I look at you and I think about what God has done. I think about me and my depravity. And God moves in. And yet at the same time, where somebody can say, God, you didn't do that. You're not fair. As I said earlier, you can't say, you, let me just read this again for you. Um, in verse 26, it was as though his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and a justifier. This is the judge is to condemn. But, and because you know how you would feel, for example, if a judge, who, a criminal who stands before him, um, and he does not pronounce him guilty. We will protest, riot, shut down the community, everything. The judge is condemned when, he is, when the guilty is acquitted or left unpunished. God didn't want to be in that position. So his justice was satisfied. And us who are guilty, somebody else bore the penalty for that. So God can still be considered just and also the justifier. You know, forgive and also forgiven. You know, we are the forgiven. He is the forgiver. This is incredible. And I could live moment by moment. I encourage you to think about it moment by moment as you go day by day and you meet um, people and you share, let the radiance of his joy and the joy of which you have in Christ Jesus, all is in Christ Jesus, be your experience from day to day. Amen?
Let us pray. Father, thank you again for your incredible grace. Lord, we simply don't have the vocabulary to say thank you, to express the depth of our gratitude. And yet, Lord, you remain faithful and patient with us. You have done so much for us, moment by moment, so that, yes, we can live and we will one day stand in your presence, not in our own righteousness, because we have none. And if it was, it would be filthy and polluted, contaminated. It could not stand to be in your presence. But we stand in the righteousness of your dear Son, Jesus Christ. This is incredible. Lord, give us the capacity to begin to apprehend this truth and then to live it out with an attitude of thankfulness. Thank you for this time we've had this evening as we continue to bless your name by a thankful life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.